Welcome to the Between You and Me podcast, a production of the KAXE Morning Show. I'm news director Chelsea Perkins, and I'm here with Heidi Holton, content and public affairs director, director of content and public affairs, something like that. Any way you want to do it. For some reason, when as things changed around here, I put director first. It <laughs> sounded better. Maybe I was... I had been news director, so I just needed to change it up a little bit. How's that? Well, whatever you are, you are a magician around here. That's all I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is very nice of you. We are, I think what people are coming to realize, like, is they're hearing our relationship and what we're working on for the future of KXE in this Between You you and Me podcast. We're going to be talking about bears in just a moment, but I want to first say that I don't know how much we've actually talked about this. Like, um, we have some jobs open right now. We should we should mention that we are expanding. We have our morning show, but we are going to be a digital news site. I mean, there is so much cool stuff going on here. A ton of cool stuff, and also like so much cool stuff that it's almost like we were just talking right before we started recording about how we're having trouble sleeping. I know we're having trouble remembering to eat. You know, just basic human functions. (laughs) Well, and I just, I don't know that I will ever remember that more coffee is not always good. (laughs) Because I love coffee and it gives me that little, makes me feel good. It's just, it's a... It's like my teddy bear or something at work is to have my coffee cup next to me at all times, which I'll just switch over to tea. But anyway, check out our website, kexc.org. We do have five? Five positions. Yeah, in different ways. If you know someone who is looking for a really creative, interesting, growing media organization and wants to live in a rural area. You don't have to live here, but, you know, know the place and understand it. This is tell them about it or you check it out. Well, what I'm super excited about, honestly, is just the fact that um, what we are trying to accomplish by filling the void uh, of local media is something that's exciting other people. I, when I'm posting information about this, like people are like, right on, man. You know, <laughs> they're, they're cheering us on. And I love that. How did it feel? So you just went through our first on-air fundraiser when there were pledges specifically for the news, which we have barely begun. It made me excited that there was people out there that were paying attention, that were also looking forward to what we can come up with. It's also a little bit of pressure, too, because you're like, yeah. oh, geez, OK, I better live up to expectations here. Um, but, you know, that's what's great about this is that because this is not something that KAXE has had before a newsroom, the expectations are pretty minimal, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. just like, let's uh, let's make this happen. Let's decide how it's going to look. Uh, and we don't have anything that we're having to change it's it's all new except we i mean the only thing that is is standard is the standards that we do all of our work by right right (laughs) so the journalistic standards and this commitment to local media and it's so unique that it's not people remoting in to tell us what rural places are like from some city we live here we're involved in community in many different communities you live in brainerd i live in grand rapids Uh, some people live in talmoon that work here some people live in bemidji some live in saint paul and we all kind of put this thing together with this connection to this place 
And, you know, every once in a while you see a news story from an organization that you know is based in a metropolitan area that they're writing about a rural area. They're writing about a rural issue even, perhaps. Um, One thing that comes to mind recently is I saw a story about deer farms in Minnesota. And I won't point out who it was, but the, the, the picture that was with this story about legislation to potentially ban deer farming in the state was a photograph of deer that do not live here. <laughs> they were they were deer native to Asia. Uh, they had white spots on them as adults. And I'm like, oh, boy. So even, you know, this bear story, for instance, yeah. it's like you got to make sure you have a picture of a black bear, not a grizzly bear. Right. You can't be tone deaf about that kind of stuff, because even if you are a rural expert, if you present your information in a way that makes it look like you don't have no clue what you're talking about, no one's going to read any further. <laughs> exactly. From deer to bear. Now, this is something you've covered probably every year uh, yeah, in your work as a those... journalist that we got to remember if we don't want deer around deer, bear knocking things down, we got to pay attention to what we're doing. Yeah, it's a perennial story. There's there's several seasonal stories, I guess you could say, that you expect to cover as a community journalism source. One of them being, hey, guys, remember the bears? They're waking up now. So here's what you got to do to to try to not only protect, you know, yourself and your property and your pets, but the bears as well. Yeah. We don't want them to become so, you know, desensitized to humans that they are become problematic. And that that's what can happen. Andy Try uh, joins us perennial, perennially from the <laughs> Minnesota DNR. And he he's just fun to talk to. So in this conversation, John Latimer and I got to talk to Andy. He's telling us all the things to pay attention to. He's chiding John Latimer, which was super <laughs> fun. Um, but he's also telling us, you know, you don't have to be afraid of these bears, but you do need to, you know, pay attention to them. Um, some of the interesting things you learn in this is how much food they need to eat. Yeah. Holy cow. I highlighted that when I posted the story on the web because I thought it was um, something that would catch people's attention. Like, oh, wow, I never even thought about how many calories are in one of those little bird feeder tubes. Yeah. You yeah. know, <laughs> so it says here in the story, a standard seven pound tube feeder is between 5,000 and 8,000 calories of black oiler sunflower seeds. And so if you have to eat about 10 pounds of blueberries to get anywhere close to that calorie level, it's a no brainer. Why bears are hitting these things, those feeders when they're hungry. Well, and it's not like 10 pounds of blueberries from the grocery store. No. It's like they are having to pick 10 pounds of blueberries <laughs> themselves, <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> so you live, you know, in a rural place in, in Brainerd. You're not right in town. Do you ever have bears? We have had bears on occasion. We've had um, bear. We kept our feeders up a little too long in the spring one year. Those got hit. Uh, we've had, you know, them. We've seen signs in our woods. We found uh, one time like a patch of bear fur like they had been scratching on something and and a chunk of fur came off so that was kind of cool in fact i think my stepson kept it uh, in his room sure. in his little nature collection um and but interestingly enough we have had because we have dogs they really don't come around a whole lot but we just got bees which i talked about before mm-hmm. and you have to if you live anywhere outside of a city 
there's really no option but to protect your beehives with bear fence it's mm-hmm. almost you know you think of winnie the pooh with his little head stuck in the oh. honey pot h-u-n-n-y <laughs> yes but it's true uh we have an electric fence now yeah. that is up uh, protecting our beehives and that's actually one of the things that the bear wise folks even address is pr- making sure you protect your bees if you have them obviously they're going to be drawn to that it's a food source and they can smell it, I'm sure. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, but it's so far the dogs, as far as I know, haven't learned the lesson of the fence. So I'm waiting to see that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I one time. So we have um, some walking trails in our woods and there's a lot of wild blackberries. So I, I will often pick. They come after the raspberry season, but they are hard to pick. Like John Latimer always talks about how raspberries will kind of you'll get kind of scratched when you do it you will be gouged when you when you pick blackberries those branches are just you know you have to be completely covered anyway one time I was out there just minding my own business picking and I smelled this smell and I don't think anyone had ever told me what bear smells like but I knew it was like it smelled like a wet dog like a really big wet dog. And I was like, no, I'm going to get out of here. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm in blackberries. Of course, this is where a bear would hang out. Right, right. So I did really like Andy pointing out, though, that if you come upon a bear and they know you're there, you didn't freak them out. Mm-hmm. Just enjoy it. Right. Bears but, are here just like we are. and We want them to stick around. It's all part of the ecosystem. So, you know, it's stuff we got to learn if you live in northern Minnesota. And not that they don't have bears in cities. They do. But, yes. you know. But you have to learn to live side by side with nature. It's a trade off, right, of living where we live. That's right. Stay tuned now for this conversation with Andy Try about bears this spring. Bears are beginning to show up around the Northland. Back with us today is Andy Try from the Minnesota DNR. He's the Bear Project leader for the Forest, Wildlife, and Populations Research Group. Andy, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, good to see you, Andy. Good to see y'all. So you've been out in the field a lot right now. This is kind of an anomaly for you to be in front of a computer. What's happening out there? What are you working on? Sure. So this is the time of year where bears are waking up. And so we're uh, starting to get our traps ready for adding some research bears to our sample. Uh, Primarily, we're doing a fair bit of sampling, I should say, trapping down in the Brainerd area, Brainerd, Baxter, that kind of country, um, to look at some possible changes in reproduction on the landscape. But um, the other part that we're working on is uh, we're starting to get a fair number of bear calls coming in because the bears are hungry. It's that time of year. And uh, we have a pilot study going on where we're um, helping folks fencing off some bird feeders experimentally uh, with electric fencing to see if we can keep bears out uh, for a prolonged period of time. Andy, so far I've managed to uh, avoid having the bears come up and maraud my feeder. But uh, last year, uh, the bear that came was tall enough that it was able to just eat off the feeder without having to tear it down. So that was pretty nice. <laughs> but uh, what uh, what can a person do when a bear shows up? Absolutely. So 
I mean, generally speaking, we don't want bears to show up in your yard to start with. And so I'm going to chastise you a little bit, John, <laughs> that you shouldn't technically be feeding birds when bears are active. You know, the best way to avoid any sort of bear contact uh, or bears in your yard would be to keep your feeders down from about Easter until Thanksgiving. Um, however, if you choose to feed and, you know, it's... It's hard for me to tell people not to feed because, you know, people get so much enjoyment out of birds and watching things change as the seasons change. And so if you choose to feed birds, um, then you need to make sure you're cleaning up the any sort of seed spills every day, taking them in at night. Although bears are active, sometimes they'll hit during the day. Um, you can put them up real high on wires and pulleys to keep them out of the bear's reach. Um, and then the other thing that folks sometimes forget about is to make sure that their trash is locked away in a shed or a garage until the morning of pickup. And then you can roll your cart right down and that'll reduce the issues as well. Yeah. Let's talk about some of these things. You're going to have to chastise me a little bit too, Andy. Um, you, you have this checklist at home checklist. So you've mentioned trash and recycling and feeding birds. What about our barbecue grills and smokers? Yep, barbecue grills are a big one. Um, you know, the easiest thing to do is if you have a nice patio and a garage, you can lock them in. That's great. You know, not everybody has that. And so in the meantime, you can, after you're done cooking, turn up the heat really high, burn off all that extra grease and clean it really well. Um, and then periodically clean your, uh, there's often a grease, a grease cup that uh, my dog likes to find as well on our grill. <laughs> and so uh, those of you with dogs often keep that clean anyway, but it's something to think about that that good spilling grease, will that scent will give off for quite a long time. And so make sure to periodically empty that as well. I thought um, that was my dog's job. <laughs> <laughs> she seems to think it is. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Uh, but yeah, any. Anything smelly like that, uh, compost is another one. Um, if you're composting meat, sometimes that gives off an extra scent. Um, the easiest thing to do is just protect your, your compost piles or bins with a you know portable electric fence system. But if you don't want to do that, you can just make sure to put a lot, mix in a lot more browns than you normally would um, to help keep that, that ratio of greens to browns um, relatively constant. And just don't put any meat or bones in there because that's awful stinky as it goes. So A, it'll help around your yard from a, not having a stinky pile, but also it'll help keep bears from checking it out. So I didn't realize that our cars could also be attractive to bears if we leave, if they're not in a garage. Uh, they can be. Um, it's less of an issue up here, but in the Great Smokies and in the Tahoe Basin, we get tons of reports from my colleagues across the country where bears have figured out how to open vehicles. Uh, bears have figured out how to push the lever handles down to get into Airbnbs. And then they've also figured out how to, um, if you leave your car, uh, car windows open, sometimes they'll figure out and just push down um, when they get their claws on there and push the windows down. And so if you're out camping, especially car camping or, um, you know, that's the main issue. You want to just make sure you have a locked vehicle with your windows up and store the cooler out of sight um, to help keep bears from, from checking it out. We don't really have any issues to speak of yet, but um, I can tell you from the pictures I've seen and the video I've seen, you know, a bear getting into a 
vehicle and then accidentally closing the door can cause quite a bit of damage. I've seen pictures. They'll kick it. They'll kick it out of the parking gear and roll it down the hill. And so now you have an angry bear locked in a vehicle that has crashed into a tree at the bottom of the hill. And uh, we we want to avoid that as as, be, as best as possible. But yeah, so you know if you're if you're camping and you have a pickup truck or something with a soft tonneau cover. You know, they will tear into those sometimes to get to them. If you have a pop-up camper with a soft side, sometimes we've heard bears tearing into there to get the coolers. And so um, keeping it in the locked cab or or hard-sided part of your vehicle um, will solve most of the issues there. So, Andy, uh, I understand why bears would be attracted to these food sources, but uh, the average bear uh, out in the woods, what... So they've they've come out of hibernation. Uh, what's their you know what's their normal behavior if they are not say associated with humans? What are they Absolutely. eating? Uh, when do they eat? How much do they eat? Yeah, so they are. It's pretty cool to think about because you have an animal that's adapted to basically get all of the calories or the bulk of the calories that they need in about three and a half months. And then they sleep much of the rest of the year, or at least hibernate most of the year. And so this time of year, the first things that they target are green vegetation. And so when we capture bears, their teeth are stained green from the chlorophyll of the grass and the clover that they're eating. But the, uh, a lot of them are spending a fair amount of time out in wetlands right now, eating those emergent vegetation um, pieces they'll eat uh, arrowhead and um, they'll sometimes dig cattail tubers that sort of thing um, additionally they'll skunk cabbage is a favorite early this time of year and skunk cabbage is an amazing plant it generates its own heat and sometimes will melt snow around it so it's that very first plant that's available do you and know the bears that happen to be awake early will just pound it i was out on friday on a, on a bog uh, swamp near here and uh, the skunk cabbage were just prolific in there. And the bears had been in eating uh, some of the flowers, but they had not gotten in and eaten all of them, at least not yet. So, yeah, skunk cabbage is another one. I once watched a bear pulling over young aspens and just, like, biting down on a branch and just sliding it like you, I don't know, like you might, like, peas out of a pod, just, like, stripping the 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 new leaves off of the branches of an aspen so i have seen them eating some of that green stuff <laughs> yeah it's very common they have a, a space in their jaw between their molars and their canine teeth and they'll essentially uh it, it do exactly that where they'll drag um drag it through their mouth they'll do that with berries as well in the summer it's called a diastema that gap between the teeth hmm. And, uh, you know, this time of year, you're just as likely to see bears up in a tree right at the tips of the branches munching on maple flowers and willow and cat uh, willow and uh, aspen catkins as well. I got a picture sent to me from a friend down in Floodwood about two weeks ago of a small bear up about 50 feet in a maple munching all the little red maple flowers <laughs> along in their floodwood. And so that's exactly what they're doing this time of year. And then they'll slowly transition into ants and insect larvae as we get warmer and the ant brood shows up. It's just, it's incredible when you think of, you know, just take a, and I know not all bears are 200 pounds, but 
I, I'm 200 pounds and, and I'm taking in probably 2,500 calories a day every day. And yet these bears in three and a half, four months have to take in, I don't know, four times that much each day or how much, how many calories are they taking in in a day to, to get the weight that they need to get them through? You bet. So the range is wide and that's the tricky part of observational science, but the the published values are somewhere between four times that. So something like 15,000 calories all the way up to 20 plus thousand calories a day. So that's like what Michael Phelps was eating, training for the Olympics, 20,000 calories a day, every day. (laughs) 20,000 calories a day on a diet of ants, grubs, leaves, berries. That's an, that's an amazing, that that's a prodigious amount of food that they would have to consume. Absolutely. It's uh. And so that's why they target those concentrated patches of food uh, over and over again. And so typically in the wild, like up in our area, those northern red oaks, when they hit, or the bur oaks along the rivers, you know, you'll often see bears up making nests and breaking the branches down and eating all the acorns off the branches and then munching them down on the ground. They have quite a lot of calories as well. But if you think about like a bird feeder, bringing us back to the human part, right? you know, a standard seven pound tube feeder is about between five and 8,000 calories of black oilers. And so if you'd have to eat, I think it's about 10 pounds of blueberries to get anywhere close to that amount of calorie <laughs> level. So it's just a no brainer for why bears are hitting these things when they're hungry. Yeah. So the bear shows up. Now, what do I do? Uh, and let's say I'm, I'm not backed up against my house where I can just get inside the house the bear and I are in the woods together, and it's happened a time or two. What's uh, what's my what's what action should I take to protect myself? Sure. Uh, so it kind of depends if you've surprised the bear or not. So if you've not not surprised the bear and it knows you're coming, just take a minute and enjoy the wild the the wild scene unfolding in front of you. You know these animals are amazing critters and it's really cool to see bears you don't really have to be afraid at all um they're not going to harm you if they know you're coming and so just take a minute snap some photos snap a video obviously don't get too close like some of the tourists out in yellowstone you know walking (laughs) up to bison and grizzly bears but you know from a safe distance just enjoy the moments um you know if you are hiking through the forest or hiking to berry patches or something where you know bears will be you know, make noise periodically so they know you're coming. And if uh, if you come across a bear in a berry patch and you want to pick that and the bear's already there, maybe pick another berry patch and, and let uh, let bears be. Um, if you happen to surprise them, that's where the, the posture needs to be a little bit more aggressive. And so you want to make yourself tall. Um, don't drop your pack like they used to remember in the old days. That basically just gives a big, a big, uh, reward for the bear to eat the stuff out of your pack, but basically make yourself big, make a lot of noise back out and, and leave, uh, you know, leave the bear in escape route. And 99 times out of a hundred, it's just a non-issue and they'll flee. So nothing to really worry about there. But if you happen to surprise them again, make yourself big, stand your ground, slowly back up, just don't run. Um, and then just keep your dogs on a leash as best you can. Um, when bears are active, that's uh, unleashed dogs is, is where some of the human contact actually happens, where you get uh, a little dog with Napoleon complex that will defend its its owner. 
and it'll run up there. It's like, oh, cripes, this is a 400-pound animal or a 200-pound animal. Run back to mom and dad, and the bear will come at heel. And so this is very rare. It does not happen very often. But the times that humans and bears have made contact is either where a, you know where a, a owner rushes in to separate the bear and the dog or where that bear comes in on heel from unleashed dogs. And so just keep your dog on a leash as you're required to do in a lot of places um, as best you can. And finally, uh, you and the bear are now mixing it up. The bear is convinced that he can take you in a fair fight. What what do I do now? Play dead or, uh, I mean, it's too late to run <laughs> and you don't recommend running. What uh, What action should I take at that point? And may I never have to exercise this judgment. <laughs> right. Uh, so we only have black bears here. And if a black bear has decided that it's going to try to make contact with you, then fight. And so hit it with a stick, pick up a rock, you know, whatever you can fight, punch it in the nose, you know, that sort of thing. Um, oftentimes they'll do a fair amount of, of bluff charging before it gets in there. Like there's no need to... Um, no need to panic when that happens. It's just the bear telling you you're too close. But yeah, if, if, you know, for some God awful reason you end up where a bear is, has made contact, you fight like heck. Okay. And, I hope, uh, <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> Andy, how is the bear population right now? The bear population for the most part at the statewide level is in a good spot. Um, we peaked out at about, uh, in the year 2000 with 25,000 bears statewide or so. And then uh, we intentionally dropped the population to help, you know, get it at a more happy medium, but it dropped a little quicker than we would have liked. And so we bottomed out about 10 years ago or so, 2012, 2013, at about 12,000 bears. And we've slowly been increasing since. There are a few parts of the state where the bear population seems to be low or still declining. So in the northeastern part of the state, um, I mean, we've had two really back, aside from it last year, the prior two years were pretty bad food years. And so, you know, Harvest did a, a little extra number on them and we're, that's why we cut permits back to let the population go up. But everywhere else in the state, it's either stable or increasing. So we're in a pretty good spot and that's why we need folks to make sure to take these simple steps to coexist with bears and um, there just won't be any issues or a few issues, I should say. That's Andy Try from the Minnesota DNR. He's the Bear Project Leader for the Forest, Wildlife, and Populations Research Group. Thanks for your time today, Andy. Thanks for listening to the Between You and Me podcast on KAXE made possible by the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund and the citizens of Minnesota, with music by Sam Milton.